So the day we're recording this is uh, February 2nd, which I believe is Groundhog's Day, correct? Uh, yeah, I think that was no. the case. No, it was it yesterday? the feast of the presentation, you pagans. Oh, right. It's that too. It's that, it is that. It is that, uh, first and foremost. However, the seculars would have us believe that a groundhog determines the duration of winter. I was thinking this morning, you know, obviously there's the famous Bill Murray film, Groundhog's Day, but what I want to see is like a Olympus Has Fallen style action thriller where the inner circle people in their top hats and funny suits are trying, working like in a heart-stopping action flick to prevent the assassination of Puxatani Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. I believe... There was an old uh, Rankin Bass stop motion, um, yep, like Christmas special where Jack Frost mm-hmm. was. A th- it was ja- about Jack Frost, and he, in order to like do the thing he needed to do, and wasn't stick it like around narrated for, like, by gro- the Groundhog from Groundhog's Day? Hmm? Wasn't it like narrated by maybe? The, the it might have been because I remember him being like, but like he did everything he could to make the Hedgehog or the, the Groundhog uh, what see a shadow? Yeah, yeah, yep. So that he could stick around for six more weeks and finish what he I have, to do. I have vague memories about that. I've only seen it like in passing once at Grandma's house at a Christmas party. It's like, huh, that that's kind of weird. <laughs> I believe groundhogs and woodchucks are basically the same thing. They're like in that rodent, like large rodent. I mean, class. Prairie like, dogs are in there too, right? Yeah, they're they're um, they're but considerably uh, smaller rodents and marmots, marmot. Um, marmite? That's like the... A marmot is oh. like a woodchuck, but a little bigger. Um, and they're mostly like... <laughs> How much marmite could a marmot... <laughs> mar- <laughs> marmot mutt. Could a marmite marm? <laughs> if, a marmite, if a marmot could marm- marmite... Mar- 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 if a marmot could marm- Excuse marmite... Excuse me, marm! <laughs> <laughs> um, we have one... Way back in the day, I went. we went on a family trip to... Mount Rushmore, and they had a bunch of marmots running around because they're just native to the area. And so my uh, my mom was like, asked a park ranger, she's like, so what? what is that? Um, and the guy's like, it's a marmot. But she thought he said varmint. And she's like, yeah, what kind of varmint is it? And he's like, it's a marmot varmint. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty a great. varmint varmint. Yep. I suppose that is, um, that make the sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, today, uh, wasn't the presentation traditionally like Candlemas? That is the <clears throat> sort of unofficial name for it mm-hmm. okay. in, the, in the Anglo world. But yes, it's when you do the candle things. Mm-hmm. So we had our bright and early 8 a.m. Wednesday mass. Nice, nice. we do it early on Wednesdays for mm-hmm. ministry purposes so we can all go out and do things. Mm-hmm. But... Um, we had the Latin Scola chant this morning, the uh, uh-huh. the Lumen ad Revelationem, which mm-hmm. is the uh, the candle lighting chant, nice. and other things that we did. But yes, that was a that was a fun thing I did this morning. I suppose uh, that like the candle mass is like a pretty ancient tradition with the feast of the presentation, well, is it not? Not ancient. Not ancient, is, but like but it's like old. in it's the old. upwards of a thousand years old, right? Probably around that around that ballpark. Mm-hmm. I, could, I mean, I'd have to look into it to tell you exactly when it started, but, but kind of a cool thing that there's still yeah. practice at least somewhat. Yeah. Well, um, on the uh, topic of faith today, uh, uh, the school, the Catholic schools, there was the North Dakota State Know Your Faith competition, which was hosted by Shanley, the school I work at. Um, so all the Catholic high schools in the state, uh, which there are five, I believe, total. Um, they got together for a uh, annual Know Your Faith competition. It's it's been going on for roughly ten years now. Um, Bismarck won, but uh, it was a it was overall a good time. So stay running around taking pictures of that, but it was quite the event. It was uh, also like the high schoolers that were in the stands got pretty pretty into it. So I was 
I went from that back to my office like, dang, it's actually like super quiet out here. I never noticed that before. (laughs) My ears are ringing. (laughs) But good good times. Good times today. Speaking of faith, we're recording this just before our friends, uh, two of our listeners. Yes. John and Faith's wedding, and it'll come out afterwards. We are so a preemptive the... uh, post-wedding gradu- congratulations to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a pre-post-wedding yeah. congratulations. Congratulations exactly. to the Fishers. Um, yeah, um, F's in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, huh? that seems like a W to me. Right. I but mean, F is for Fisher, though. Faith, Faith Fisher. Um, that John, would be an FF. Yeah, FF in the chat. There we go. Final fantasy surrender in chat, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I suppose that means since they will become one, that Faith has uh, the right to see what John sees in our group chat. So, uh, strictly speaking, probably, but I don't know that she'd want to. No, yeah, it's it's. it's I don't it's, think she's going to exercise that. Past experience <laughs> has shown it is not a female-friendly chat, not by design, just by circumstance. Just well, by what goes on. It's not friendly <laughs> to the temperaments of the females we would invite. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if Emma that. can't handle it, nobody can. Right. Yeah. And Emma can handle a lot. <laughs> I should know. <laughs> she, she doesn't have like an unlimited no. boy nonsense she tolerance. Has, she, has a, she has a fairly high level that has gradually grown during yeah. the time that she's known us. And, you know, like this idea of like a personal dignity and, you know, being, you know, Need the need to be respected, you know, crap like that. Nah. <laughs> <Lol>. <laughs> no, it's a, it's all good. Um, so, uh, let's see. What, uh, how was your retreat last week, Riley? Oh, my retreat was very, uh, prayerful and reflective for sure. We went to West Virginia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause you're in that neck of the woods. Yeah. The West Mount Virginia Marmot. is like four, the border is like four hours away from where we are. Mm-hmm. The re, the particular retreat center we went to was in Charleston, uh-huh. which was about four forty five. We stopped in Moorhead along the ah. way. Ah, funny enough, Moorhead, Kentucky. Was anybody like, "Hey, Riley, aren't you from here?" It's like wrong Moorhead. <laughs> I've had that happen while I've been here. It's like I'm from Moorhead, and people from Kentucky are like, "Moorhead, Kentucky." I'm like, no. The real I was Moorhead. wearing my, my <laughs> More Moorhead spuds. are better than one. <laughs> I was wearing my Moorhead Spuds basketball shirt one day, and someone's like, are you from Moorhead, Kentucky? And I'm like, can you read this? It says M-O-O-R. Uh, so it's like not Moorhead. M-O-R-E like, head. Uh, can Kentucky is M-O-R-E, and the Minnesota is M-O-O-R. Yeah. So, interesting. Because like, I know there's read, like... Read there's, the shirt. There's multiple Fargos, I believe. Around, yeah, I think the there's a Fargo, Georgia. There's a Duluth, uh, Georgia. There's just like all these like copycat. Um, <laughs> maybe the same people that made trains up here made trains down there. That's probably true. Um, somebody had to do it after they burnt Atlanta to the ground, but we're not going to go into that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was probably before they started making them trains. Uh, actually, that was like the, one the of the particular, big... like the Great Northern Line. Was not until like the 1880s, was yeah, Right, yeah. But I mean, like when Sherman did his march to the sea, what little well, yeah, sure, railroad railroads at the time. Yep, but. yep. Um, but yeah, North Dakota was not very populous. Oh, I uh, did I talk about the Disney film um, uh, Iron Iron Will on the chat at all? No, you haven't. Okay, all right, not in the chat. I mean, on the podcast, same thing. Um, we okay not quite so a couple weeks ago i was home with my parents and my brother and his wife and their little baby and uh we decided to sit down and watch a movie after the my brother and company went home on saturday night so my dad throws out on disney plus and is like oh look at this movie okay iron will so it's like it made in the 90s or whatever you know like one of those like cheap live action movies they made or whatever but it's about this guy who goes in a dog sled race he's from south dakota which apparently you know looks strangely like northern minnesota and uh does a um a sled this isn't what the podcast is about by the way um <laughs> the uh he does a dog sled race from winnipeg canada which looks suspiciously like downtown duluth to um St. Paul, Minnesota, which looks like uh I don't know, like somebody's backyard. Um 
So, uh, I don't know what it is about Hollywood and thinking that the Canadian border in this neck of the woods just has mountains everywhere because there's this whole sequence where they're going through these dangerous, treacherous mountains. I'm like, you say you're going to Pembina? There's nothing in Pembina. There's nothing there. But dramatic tension. Yeah. But rising action. And but it's something like, to look at. Yeah. And apparently, like, they go east into part of North Dakota, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, with, with the map they had. We passed our geography class. So, me, my dad and I were just, like, going back and forth about all these places that they just got completely wrong. Um, but... What Apparently, timeline is are you from? <laughs> yeah, um, the it's like vaguely based off of a true story, uh, but instead of like the good white kid in the movie, it's uh, it was actually two Native American men. So whoopsie, uh, whoopsie! Did Hollywood do a whitewash? Oh no, oh, no, in the nineties. Um, so there was that, but also um, there was a. Uh, it was apparently, I looked it up because this was, you know, I, I was becoming way more obsessed with this than I needed to be. <laughs> and, uh, cause that's, that's about how interesting the movie was. Um, and, uh, apparently they filmed it like in Duluth and Cloquet, which is where a friend of the pod Ben lives to the point where there's a railroad bridge. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I've seen that one before. <laughs> How stupid is it that I can recognize a railroad bridge? <laughs> but it's like I'm pretty sure they like filmed it not too far from where he lives. So a lot of the stuff in the backwoods, which is kind of funny, on things that are totally not cross country ski trails. Why do you ask? Um, but yeah, I, uh, stupid story. But I just thought I'd talk about how ridiculous it is. The Hollywood thinks that there's just the Rocky Mountains could follow the Canadian border all the way from Washington to. New York. I mean, I mean, we've already discussed Logan that apparently yeah. has a climax in North Dakota, even though it's totally you go very to the coordinates. North it's Dakota. just like a it's like a bean field or something like that. It's like no dramatic cliffs or anything like that. But I found that humorous. That's 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 one of the things I just obsessed about for a while. I I, I imagine there are other places of the world where they're like. Every time I see a Hollywood movie set in my state, it's all wrong. Or, or if it's a if it's a uh, Mexico or India or something, they'll just throw a bunch of yellow over the film. <laughs> Gotta have a sepia filter, man. Yeah, the sepia Mexico. filter. Yeah, everyone, and then there's there was a trend online like maybe a month or so ago where people are like, yeah, uh, this is what it actually looks like in Mexico, just taking pictures of their phones. Like, yeah, this looks nothing like the whatever film it whatever was. Whatever born movie. It's like when the goes sky looks something. blue here to me. So, I mean, obviously stylized, but anyway. Enough well, speaking about... of obsessing about things. <laughs> we're the Palladian Papers. <laughs> I'm James. I am Nathan. And I'm Riley. Is it it's Gregarious Games today? No, I'm pulling a pivot on what I had suggested talking about. We're okay. doing a philosophical today. All right. Alrighty then. On the film A Silent Voice. In a world where one man will decide whether to pull a lever and kill one man, or not pull a lever and allow five people to die, find out in Filmosophical. Uh, so yes, Filmosophical. Filmosophical is where we get philosophical about films tell us about a silent voice riley and this is a podcast so say it out loud please yes so <laughs> i will talk about the movie a silent voice using uh an audible, an audible voice. voice audibly uh, speaking might, audibly speaking about a silent of a, voice of an audio only podcast so this movie is set in modern day 2017 japan all right it is a anime film okay um so it begins by Jumping into the life of Shoyo Ish Shoya Ishida, and this boy, he's depressed. He's a sad boy, and sounds like modern day 2017 Japan to me. Sound, yes, certainly. Except this isn't really a systemic thing. This is kind of his own fault, which we will discover later. So we we see several clues in the early shots of the movie that Shoya intends to take his own life. We see a torn calendar that ends at April 15th, or whatever the date is, I forget. 
but there is um, American Tax Day. He's yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's about. That's gotta be it. <laughs> uh, even got, in Japan, people fear it. <laughs> he's saving up a bunch of mom- money to pay his mom back for something that uh. we also don't know about yet. And so he goes out to the bridge, and he's standing there, and he's trying to get himself to do it, but he just can't. He can't bring himself to to fall off. So he gets down and goes back home. Now we flash back to the past, to elementary-ish school, where Shoya was a pretty relentless bully. Mm. So he's just hanging out with his friends, having a good time in middle school. When a new girl, Shoko, transfers into his school. Now, Shoko is deaf. And so, hence the silent voice thing. And that that fact distinguishes her from other members of the class. And they kind of pretty quickly start to alienate her. And so, a lot of the, the kids bully her lightly. But Shoya is really, really intent and really aggressive with how he treats her. Mm-hmm. So he <coughs> he'll steal her notebook, which is like the only means she has of communicating with anyone, and rips her hearing aids out of her ears to cause her to bleed and stuff like that because they're pretty tightly secured. And so over the course of time, his friends start to get disgusted with him and kind of separate themselves from him. And, you know, even though they were complicit, he just reached a point where even they were uncomfortable they just are appalled by what's going on at this point and they dissociate from him and you know Shoko's transferred schools and all that kind of stuff so Shoko's mom has to replace all these hearing aids which are of course very expensive and so she gets fed up with this and goes to the school and says you've got to do something about this My daughter is having a terrible time. We've got to hold whoever's doing this responsible. Mm. And so basically all the kids sell out Shoya because, I mean, in fairness, he was kind of the ringleader. So he is pretty severely punished and his mom pays back all of the money that was um, spent on the hearing aids. So that's what Shoya's Mm -hmm. debt comes in from. And so back to the present... Shoya has kind of come to the point where he's decided to make amends, to try to reconcile and make things right for his prior behavior. He still has the notebook that he stole from Shoya back then, Shoko rather. So he goes to her new school to try to meet up with her. When he goes to the classroom, he um, is met by another kid who's in there who says, nope, no, but she's not here. He looks in the door and she's sitting in the glass there, but mm. the kid's like, nope, not here. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay. Because yeah, probably knows about him. I'm sure. So he's um he's not deterred. He, he, he routinely comes back and continues to ask. But one day he bumps into her in the hallway and she's like all surprised and you know she can't speak very well, so she doesn't say anything. But he shows that he's learned some sign language and kind of tells her that that he kind of wants to, he asks if they can be friends. And she's see, she seems amenable to that. And so Shoya's mom finds out about um, his suicide attempt because of the money he pays her back and the ripped calendar and things. And so she chews him out and threatens to burn the money if he ever tries it again he's like you don't have to worry about it i'm trying to i'm trying to make things right here and so he goes back to his own school where we see uh a young man who's very isolated from everyone around him Mm. everyone in his school is pictured with these like paper x's taped over their faces when we're looking at things from his point of view so like nobody has a face they're just a blue X over a, a, hu- a vaguely human-shaped face, head, thing. And so he's just, kinda, he pushes everyone away kind of habitually at this point in his life. But one day he's walking out to his bike to go home, 
and he sees another kid getting um, accosted by an- by another kid who wants to take his bike, and he says, hey, cut it out. You can just use my bike, so this guy can go on his way. And the the bully is like, okay, sounds good to me, and t- takes his bike and rides off. And the, the kid he protected is grateful, and Nagatsuka becomes kind of his first friend at his school that he's really started to open up to and you know they start to develop a a nice friendship and introduce him to more people and he starts to to integrate himself a little bit and so Shoya decides to go and meet Shoko again and, and their friendship is really starting to develop too you know she likes to feed the birds on this one little park bridge so he goes out there and brings bread for them to feed the ducks with Shoko drops one of her notebooks in the river, and they both <coughs> jump in to retrieve it. So they're all wet, and Shoya gets suspended for jumping into rivers, because that's apparently something you can't do. But, uh... Alright. It was... A, one of this little kid who was protecting Shoko is, like, a photographer, so... <coughs> they've got a camera and took a picture of it and posted it online, and that went uh-huh. viral and all that stuff, so... Mm-hmm. But the kid is, like... Yeah, I'm sorry for doing that. That was probably not very smart. Um, so you want to, like, come over to my house and have dinner or something? He's like, sure, I guess. And so they're going along, and all of a sudden, the kid just kind of says, All right, I'm going. Bye. And he's like, what? I walked you all this way home, and you're just going to ditch me here? He's like, okay, whatever. What we soon find out is that the kid is actually Shoko's younger sister, Yuzuru. Mm -hmm. And so inviting over the guy who made um, Shoko's life miserable probably wouldn't go over well with her mom. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why Yuzuru ditched um, Shoya while they were walking home. So they start to develop a friendship too. This kind of Yuzuru sees a different side of him when he's going to the park to pick up his niece and Yuzuru happens to be there. This kind of sees a different side of him caring for his niece than he'd ever seen before or kind of imagined this person to be. So she kind of has a different perspective about him through that. Meanwhile, um, Shoko is starting to develop feelings for Shoya. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's starting to pay attention to her and they're spending a lot of time together. And despite everything that's happened, she kind of notices that he's making a genuine turnaround and is kind of very clearly attracted to that. And so there that's happening in the background. Mm-hmm. So they decide to go and meet some of some more old friends and try to reconnect and reconcile and things. So they start with one of Shoko's old friends, who was one of the only people that w- was nice to her back then, who also had to transfer schools because association with Shoko meant more bullying. And they, they meet up with her, and that's a, a good time, and they have a great conversation. And they also run into... Naoka, which was one of the the popular girls, and you know she had a thing for Shoya, and kind of still does. So she tries to to drive a wedge into things because mm-hmm. she sees the two of them hanging out, and goes up to Shoya Shoko and bullies her, and Shoya's like, "You gotta stop. That's not okay." And said, "Let's go." So Naoka's kind of put off and doesn't understand this new guy that she thought she knew mm-hmm. but uh, she's not deterred so she keeps showing up and Shoya keeps pushing her away so Shoko's gotten to the point that she's ready to confess her feelings but she tries to do so verbally I mean she can speak a little bit but it's it's not very clear or distinct Mm-hmm. So she she tries to say it out loud, but Shoya can't understand her. 
And so he just kind of laughs it off and makes, you know, light conversation because she think he thinks she's trying to say something totally different, which causes her to get really frustrated and run off. And so he's um, confused about that because he thought it was just some fun joking comment. And, but he's kind of like, okay, clearly there's something I've missed here. So we're gonna we're gonna try to figure out. Uh, Let's walk that on. back a little bit and figure out what happened. And at this point, Shoko is starting to avoid him because she's frustrated about her inability to express herself to him and wants to. She just wants to be normal. You know, she wants mm-hmm. to be able to talk and you know be something for Shoya that he would want or that she thinks he would want. But the friends from back <coughs> in the day are all starting to get get together again and make amends. So they're going to an amusement park to hang out. And everything is going swimmingly. And Shoya is starting to really develop a sense of community with his, with his friends and start to, you know, have some hope and joy in life again. Mm-hmm. And then Naoka decides to show up and make things troublesome. Mm-hmm. And so she takes Shoko onto the Ferris wheel and tells Shoko that she hates her. I hate your stinking guts. And that she thinks that she's changing Shoya into somebody that he's not and all that jazz. Shoko says that she doesn't hate Naoka, but she really hates herself because she can't be what she wants to be. And Yuzuru captures this whole conversation on video because he's in the next car over. She's in the next car over, right? Dick. Grief. <laughs> so he sh- she shows that to Shoya. And they resolve together to help Shoka like herself again. So they have another a friend meet up. And, you know, the, the gang's having a conversation about Shoya's past. And you know, all of the rotten things that he's done, but they can see that he's trying to make things mm. right. So they're willing to forgive him until Naoka doesn't let them. Ah. And she she tells them to stop, you know, blaming him and stop making everything about him. And it causes the groups to kind of turn against each other, at which point Shoya gets overwhelmed and starts to just call out everything about each of them that is hypocritical or wrong and push everybody away mm-hmm. because he's just so overwhelmed and obviously that doesn't help his case to to try to restore his friendships by actively unrestoring his friendships mm-hmm. and so they all start to think that he hasn't really changed and everybody leaves and he's alone Eventually, he gets to the point that he wants to to try to start over. He realized that doing that wasn't the most helpful thing. And he's got to stop using anger and isolation as defense mechanisms for not dealing with hard problems. So he goes and meets with Shoko again and tries to act overly cheery. He's just really... You know, flowery and buzzing around, but she sees through it, and she's just like, "Man, you're you're struggling just as much as I am, aren't you?" And he's like, "Yeah." So they go out to the fireworks together for the new year or what have you. And while they're there, Shoko says that she forgot something at home, and needs to go get it. Yuzuru forgot her camera. So she asks Shoya to go and get it for her. So he follows. And when he gets there, he finds Shoko standing on top of the balcony, leaning over the edge, getting ready to fall. And he rushes in and you know grabs her by the ankle as she's falling and keeps her from dropping. And in the um, scuffle to pull her back up, he himself ends up falling. So... He crashes down into the into the ground, and it cuts to black. A, me- a while later, 
and we find out that he's in a coma. So at least he's not dead, mm -hmm. but he's comatose, and you know people are distraught. Um, Shoko's mom is kind of come around and started to see that this guy is genuinely changed to the point that he's willing to put his own life on the line to save her daughter and is really grateful for that. But Naoka, of course, blames Shoko for everything that's happened and they she starts beating up Shoko, at which point her mom jumps in and starts beating up a teenager Mm. And Shoya's mom jumps in and says, "You guys, stop! Shoko, Shoya wouldn't want this. You know, why are you fighting? This is just—you guys have to make amends." And they're all like, "Yeah, you're right." So, a short while later, Shoko has a dream, and goes out into the middle, in the middle of the night, to the bridge where they would always go to feed the ducks. And Shoya wakes up from his coma that night and goes to that spot right then as well. And they, they meet there. And Shoko apologizes for not loving herself enough, for not believing in herself enough. And Shoya apologizes outright for everything he did, because he'd never really done that. Mm. He, he tried to do things to make it better, but he'd never come out and said all of the things he had done were wrong. And, you know, they have a good reunion moment over that. And he thanks Nauka for staying with him and caring about him through th this whole process. And so he goes back to school and is starting to see life differently. And this great shot at the end where they're at the school festival all together and he watches, he walks into his classroom and like all of the X marks fall off of everybody's faces, and then the the end plays. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's it. There you go. Hmm. That's the thing. So, <coughs> thoughts and impressions while I wet my throat. <laughs> so, it's so this is a feature film, right? Yeah. Okay. It's a, yes. It's a movie. Gotcha. It's a think like hour 48 so okay okay so like that sort of motif of the people in school with x's on their faces that's just through the whole movie yep that's present in basically everybody who isn't someone he's like directly friends with which is nobody right at the start right gotcha so which goes to show he doesn't really see them as real people and he's kind of in his own world which would have made it easier to bully them if they're if he dissociates well, from initially everything. when he's in elementary school. Oh sure, like all of his everyone's normal. It's once he's in high school and trying to isolate everybody. Mm. I think Cause the thing is that he has trouble looking people in the eyes. Like sure, uh, he won't do that, and that's why they're that's kind of a symbol of his not his looking people in the of eyes. Faces. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a cool illustration, sort of a that'd be that'd be a motif, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. There's some like thematic parallel things that happen where it starts where he's on the edge of a bridge, deciding whether or not to jump in. About halfway through, when his relationship with uh, uh, Naoko, no, Shoko. no Shoko, Shoko, yeah. when his relationship with Shoko really starts, they fall off of a bridge. And when Together. his relationship with Shoko comes to a climax, he is saving her from jumping off of a balcony. Balcony, but but it's like it is it it's all into a river. Like her balcony overlooks a river, uh, right? And the bridge overlooks a river. So there's always so there's that, that, that of motif of falling into water that I thought was interesting. How it punctuated the change in the character and the growth in their relationship. That was kind of a neat little through line theme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's the the whole symbol of a bridge is like a From great one? thing because it's like it's a place that unites the two the fronts. two halves the two sides. Yes. Mm -hmm. He and 
his entire life he's been burning bridges with everybody in his life up until like it, at high, at high school he's burned every bridge there is. Yep. But now it's about building bridges back up. The river would symbolize because like obviously bridges. The water usually, under the bridge, as it were. Yeah. Indeed. But also like uh, the, the water like an obstacle the, that must be overcome in order to do. It's that. It's the thing that separates the people. So in his case, it's his sort of. Um, I don't know his need to control and dominate other people to his extent, I suppose. Um, but um, learning to see people as people, and uh, and then for uh, Shoko in her case, it's it's her deafness that's the obstacle for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or, it, there's that failure to be able to communicate with people in the way she would like to. Mm-hmm. So she's got this barrier. Uh, preventing her from crossing several bridges or mm-hmm. several rivers, I should say. So I suppose they both have communication barriers because, yeah, because he's unable to like look people in the eye. That's like eye contact is like a major part of like reading people and communicating mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. So that's they're both they're both kind of debilitating in terms of their effect on one's ability to form and maintain relationships. Um, so that's 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 kind of an interesting. Uh, that's kind of an interesting thing there, yeah. Pretty cool. It's a fairly simple and straightforward story, but there is a lot of depth to some of these themes mm-hmm. and the way they're presented. Sounds like kind of a meditative piece, almost. Like in, I mean, like relatively speaking, obviously. Relatively like, speaking, yeah, yeah. There's not a whole lot of like in concept. It's an interpersonal drama. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Um, and this movie lost out at the Academy Awards to Boss Baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. The best animated film. Oh, oh my gosh. Lovely. Wow. I think I do remember hearing some complaints that there well, was another animated movie. That there are plenty of animated movies that deserved to win Best Animated Film of the Year. Over and lost Boss to Baby. Hollywood Shovelware. Pretty much, yep. yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a whole conversation you could go into about how you watch, know, the, watch the Mother's, Awards ba- are. Mother's Basement's video on why Hollywood doesn't get animation. Yeah. The, the Academy Awards in general are kind of a joke at this point. Kind yeah, of always yeah. have been, that's, actually. That's kind of his point. Is like Hollywood is just a bunch of self-referential... It's a circle of patting each other on the back. Well, it's and it's all about for specifically for people who get to vote on Academy Award-winning movies. It's basically which studio is able to schmooze them more. Essentially, is what it boils down to. Yeah. Or make them feel good about themselves as because we picked it because of diversity and and all the stuff. It's like, oh, this one starred a black actor. (laughs) Let's nominate it. It's like, come on, guys. Yep. the lady does what with the fish? Heck yeah. Um, so anyway. Uh, anyway. Sidetrack. More back to the so story. So this game is where... Was it nominated? Game? Game. game. Sorry. It was originally... Film. It was uh, nominated. It was nominated. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's it clearly worthy of such accolades. So it's uh, a lot to... I don't know. It's the winner in my heart. Okay. That's for sure. See, the real Academy Award winners were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie is about making friends along the way. More or less. Yeah, quite literally. Um, making friends that you lost along the way. Yeah. Right. Okay, what is the name of the girl who is just the, a mean girl? What's her name again? Nauka. Nauka. What's her deal? Because, like... What she is has the- latent feelings for Shoya that okay. are... She is also unwilling to express, or perhaps unable to express, and come I mean, to terms. Never, she's never explicitly stated as that, but it seems pretty clear the way she's framed, and kind of unable acts. to come to terms with the fact that that desire is never going to be fulfilled, and so it needs to lash out at Shoko for it. Right? That's kind of her. Yeah. Okay. And, and also, you that know, back in elementary school, she was the popular kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was the the pretty popular girl that everybody liked. And now she's just kind of blends in with the crowd and doesn't stand out for any particular reason, mm-hmm. because she kind of has no little person. She has no personality other than being vindictive, mm-hmm. which nobody wants to be around. Yep. But it at turns the same out, time, being a bully genuinely, and a jerk loses friends. Who'd have thought? 
she's kind of like the if Shoya hadn't had decided changed. to turn around. She's kind of the the counterpoint in that way. Sure. She, re- she represents what Shoya was, whereas uh, Shoko represents what he's trying to be mm-hmm. or be more like. Yeah. Makes sense. So you got these two people pulling at him from opposite ends. Yeah. Sort of the uh, <coughs> angel and devil on his shoulder, as it were. No, no. He's In got a point. <laughs> <laughs> We've been through this. It's a harp. Um, if, if only she had thought that. Yeah. Um, I guess any other cool things you'd like to discuss in the Silent Voice? Cool stuff. Um, I don't know if there's any other cool stuff that doesn't belong properly to one of the transcendental categories. All right. So. Well, that being the case, let's get right on into it. Uh, truth. What are some truths we can find in a silent voice? Everybody Me. can turn around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter how far you've gone, no matter what things you've done in your life, you can always try to make amends. Not it everyone will, be will difficult. accept it at first. It'll be hard. And you've got to work at it, and you've got to actually own up to and apologize for the things you've done, it's, yeah. on both an interpersonal level and also a uh, well, in, in, in Catholic case, a con, uh, uh, I don't know how to use confession in an adjective. <laughs> anyway, on that level, reconciliation level, on, on reconciliation level. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, I mean, obviously, like making the decision not to take his own life you know on like the literal sense but also like that sort of sim- symbolizes his need to turn around from things that were destroying his life by his action mm-hmm. other actions too mm-hmm. um and the need to you have to go through a lot of work um to overcome those issues that led you to that place in the first place whether literally or you know destroying your life met- metaphorically speaking so that's that's kind of a I, I, I do kind of appreciate that <clears throat> symbolism too. Because, um, yeah, there, if your actions can completely ruin your life. Even if you are alive, you can basically kind of kill off whatever like life you have by making poor choices that alienate others from you. And, and the other thing is the first, the first time that he attempted to fall into the river... It was an entirely, you know, selfish. Yeah. Because uh, he felt sorry for himself, basically. The, the last time at the end of the movie, it was entirely self-sacrificial how he ended mm-hmm. up falling into the mm-hmm. coma, fortunately. It was but. done out of love. Mm-hmm. Instead of out of self-loathing. Yeah. Um, also, you must be willing to communicate. Yeah. Communication is another one of the central themes here. Is like, you know, there's there's, everyone has impediments, (laughs) right? Everyone has barriers to communication, Mm -hmm. and some of them are more they're more apparent than others. Obviously, Shoko's is pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. She she is deaf and can't hear, so and consequently has difficulty speaking, so has to find alternative ways and you know her one of the primary things that sets her back is her unwillingness to kind of relinquish her hold on normalcy mm. she, she she has this ideal like for herself she wants to live up to but physically mm-hmm. cannot kind of has a an external perfection perfectionism where mm-hmm. she wants to live up to what her perceived expectations from others are yeah whether or not those expectations are actually what people want mm-hmm. and you know all all of the major characters and in this movie have their respective <clears throat> communication impediment and honestly um our protagonist may be um in part responsible for her feeling called out for being different and not normal and he he contributed to her is. poor self-image and highlighting her physical defect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And the, by the same token, he's showing willingness to turn around, like learning some sign language and things like that, try to make amends for it. But ultimately, her frustration that she's not able to tell him how she feels is because like she's still clinging to that idea that she can try to be normal. So she tries to speak normally, and it just isn't working. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Any other uh, truths we can bring out of the uh, movie? I had one other thing, but it's escaping me. Gotcha. We might roll over it in one of the next we, sections. We might. We might. Goodness. What is good in a silent voice? <clears throat> well, or is it the side a lot until the end? Like, sure. Right. There is that and initial. Everyone's inten- kind of, kind of yeah. terrible. Yeah. And that's kind of the point, really. The, there is that initial and very intentional decision to try and make amends, even if it may be misguided or short-sighted at first. But becomes genuine <clears throat> over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, once we get to the point where relationships have been reforged, and you know, Shoya is starting to really feel at home again, like like he's returned to a place of community and communion, mm-hmm. and there's the moment where they're all at the amusement park, and it just the world kind of freezes, and he looks at it and goes, "Is this what this is all about?" Is it, is this the thing I've been searching for this whole time? Is is happiness a thing? Not is that something I can have? Is happiness the friends I made along the way? <laughs> it's like, wait, I don't have to get some sense of superiority and satisfaction for picking on people. I can make lasting, meaningful bonds with humans by being nice to them and being wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that's a really good moment when he realizes the the real value of the friends he has come to find well because oftentimes we can like people can lash out at things that secretly are like ultimately has its root in an unmet genuine desire in their heart right right so in his and case it's that desire for communion and community and connection that he's lashing out because he can't get and so he is basically actively alienating well, and bullying I people. Mean, yeah, certainly in kind of the the middle act of the movie, that's the case. Sure, it's not real clear in the beginning, like what, what a starting point him to is be like that in the first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see his father at any point, so uh, that could potentially be something. But right. that's that's kind of speculation, an inference you could make. Yeah, yeah, sure. That would seem to fit. He with doesn't the have any male role models in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can that that can certainly be a factor. Yeah. And um, by the end of it, the the amends that are made by all parties are good. And yeah, and they're genuine. And, and there's, there's everyone in this scenario has been deeply wounded yep. by things that have gone on, and by by the end of it everyone realizes that we can't go on like this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we this have to forgive because that's the only way to bring true healing mm-hmm. otherwise we'll be in this vicious cycle for the rest of our lives which certainly does happen for people yeah. oh yeah Far see it all many. the time see Cobra Kai yeah we'll, we'll probably do that which we'll get weeks. to someday yeah we will get when to when they that. finish it we're mm-hmm. gonna wait till all the way until they finish well yeah five? it's so close to being done I would there hope could very well be a lot more. Yeah. I would I, I say do it where do they it go now with that we've it. caught up and then do a follow up later. Anyway, yeah. this anyway. Is conversation for outside the podcast and planning. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh anything else in the goodness department? Uh, I think we're good on goodness. All right, yeah. beauty. Now Nathan and I haven't seen it, but what is beautiful about the film, Riley? Oh, everything. We're gonna have it's to see got it. It's very ordinary in its sure. aesthetic, sure. Because it it's trying to highlight the the groundedness of its subject matter, and so it's it's not extraordinary. It's not like highly colorful, but it is it is colorful. But it's not muted either. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a more simple, grounded sort. It, of it's kind of a a canvas on which the the relationships can occur. Sure. Sure. So it it tries to be as 
normal an expectation meeting as it possibly can. Mm-hmm. And um, it does a very good job of doing that. It's, the background truly is the background for mm. the foreground story. The soundtrack is really wonderful. Huh? Mm. They mix in a lot of, like, you know, popular songs. It's not just kind of orchestral, feely sure. background music. Sure. And, you know, they mix in music that is potent and relevant to the situation, especially kind of the more upbeat, cheerful moments. Not sure. Mm-hmm. Using, you know... So it, its use of music is really strong, just to reinforce the moods and the situations that are happening. Sure. Nice. As animation goes, it's also quite standard. Now, it's, oh, sure. that's not the focus of it. The, f- the focus is the story and the character work, and that's just right. how they're choosing to express it. Mm-hmm. So, um, the story and the character work itself sounds like it's pretty really nice. Pretty really solid, well yeah. Um, Unity, what brings it all together? I would say that... Um, reconciliation is what brings it all together. Perhaps the the theme in the title, a silent voice, brings it is kind of the the guiding principle, sure, a through line that connects everything. I sp- yeah, because that you could call it like conscience, um, as well as like um, as well as the is. communication piece. Yep. Mm-hmm. Communication is the cornerstone of. Human relations mm-hmm. to one another, and it's about and particularly when you need to be uh, forgiven for something mm-hmm. or ask forgiveness, I should say that can only come through communication. Exactly, like you can only ask for forgiveness. That mm-hmm. is generally the way you're going to get it. Yeah, if you get it at all. Yeah. So, anything else to add? Nope. Alrighty okay. then. Well. Thanks for listening to the Palladium Papists. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And leave a rating to let us know what you think of the pod. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Papists. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at palladiumpapists at gmail.com. And you will catch us in our post-wedding high next week. <laughs> uh, not our own, obviously. but No, it, but it, uh, it, um, the... Post celebration, joy of witnessing a wonderful marriage. Yes, celebration. I'll be in person present for that. So, should be a good time. So, uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye. See ya.